Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Hey guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Oh boy, today we are talking about Wild at Heart and I feel like we are just getting hammered with all the storylines that I really do not like. That's really what season four is, is just like, I feel like it's one after another of like, I forgot about this (laughs) plot line, I forgot about this plot line. And it sucks because like, I love the show and the funny thing is, is the reason why I hate on season four so much is because season five is so good. And yeah. so I feel like season four in comparison is just brutal because you're like, oh, I just want to get to where it's like really good. Um, so don't feel like, you know, we hate the show <laughs> or that, you know, <laughs> like it's all downhill from here. I just feel the need to remind people because that's how I feel in season four. <laughs> um, but it's not. However, this episode is awful i hate this episode with so much in me oh my goodness and it's just because i love oz baby cakes yeah that's a great segue um for me announcing that i am quitting the podcast after this episode (laughs) dad don't say that after everyone's still raw for seth green leaving no like i just usually when i'm taking notes from the the episodes i ha- i have to pause literally every like three seconds because i have so many things to write down i literally let this episode just play and then i just took notes because i was like not only do i have this cinched in my brain because i hate it so much but like i was like i just i don't care to sit in this world of this episode for longer <laughs> than i have to but isn't that funny how it works because i've literally only seen this episode i think twice maybe yeah same twice maybe three times and I literally remembered every scene. I was like, I remember this. I remember this. And remember all this. everyone's outfits. So I was like, yeah, I knew she wore that in this episode. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. This season, season four, has the disadvantage of being hemmed, sandwiched between season three and season five. Uh, season three is probably the most cohesive. And um, every single episode is fantastic, amazing, like so good. Season five is not quite as cohesive, but it has some of the best episodes of the entire show. And it also has the best season arc, in my opinion, of the show. And so season four is very much, it's hit or miss. Some episodes are amazing. Some episodes are not so great. And unfortunately, right now we are in the string of not so great episodes, which makes it a little bit harder. But as with every Buffy episode, and I will Hold on to this, especially as we get to where the wild things are. Every single Buffy episode has something of merit, has something that makes it a little bit better than the majority of episodes and shows that are out there. This episode is no exception. It's incredibly painful because as you guys all know, we love Oz. I'm pretty sure you love Oz too. So this feels very, very hard and uncomfortable, but we do it because we love you. I kept watching the episode and I was like, other than the obvious, I was like, why do I hate this episode so much? But I think it's the way that it just feels uncomfortable. Like, it just like even the, oh, even the interactions between Veruca and Oz just felt very like CW. And I hate the way that she like moves her head around. I'm like, yeah. this doesn't feel like a Buffy episode. I'm watching this and like, this just feels so detached from everything. 
Well, and it's also like, it almost feels like disrespectful because like yeah. they purposely do scenes to make Oz feel like Oz with Willow. And then yes. immediately after we'll be ah. like, Oz is, you know, checking out Veruca, all this stuff where you're just, you just kind of feel like your emotions are like all mm-hmm. over the place this episode. Because one minute, like, there's a sweet moment between like Oz and Willow in bed and you're like, oh, like, that's so sweet. They're like, they're more comfortable with each other. And then the next it's Oz, Veruca and Willow at the table and Oz is like, not even paying attention to Willow, and you're like, I know yeah, we're this. not there yet, and this is already traumatizing. I don't want to have to do this. All right, let's jump in because obviously we have a lot of thoughts, a lot of things to talk about, and this is going to be one of those heavier episodes. So, season four, episode six, Wild at Heart, written by can you guys guess Marty Noxon? She has her fingerprints all over this episode, directed by David Grossman, aired November 9th, 1999. Benjamin Disraeli said it best, the magic of first love is our ignorance that it can ever end. And we've talked about it before. There's something painful about losing your first love because you love in a way that is so like passionate. You throw your whole being into it because you've never been heartbroken before. So you just love so willingly and so fully. Um Whereas, you know, as you get a little bit older, it's a little bit easier to be a little bit more guarded and be a little bit more jaded. Um, In a BBC interview, writer Marty Noxon said she would have liked to have directed this episode as it was close to her heart, particularly the metaphor that, and she says, most of us have a creature inside of us that makes us do things that we wish we didn't do. The whole issue of sexuality between men and women is kind of fraught because of the beast. What is our basic animal nature? How much of that should be fulfilled and how much do we have to resist and say no? That's a dangerous impulse. Many of the problems we have between men and women are based on the fact that we deny a lot of these impulses and blame other things. The question of how much of me is animal and how much is man and how to control that is a big reason why Willow and Oz end up breaking up. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Marty Noxon's writing in a nutshell, and we will expound on that later. <laughs> Bro, I like – I this one kind of gives me the creeps. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> I think she creates some of the most beautiful episodes in the Buffyverse. Moments but, more like, but yes. Yeah, moments. Sure. Um, So I'm not going to try and like bash her as a writer because I think she does a good job and she does way better than what I could do. However, I just think the way she views relationships is mm-hmm. it's a little disturbing. A little, it's a little disturbing. Like, I guess yeah. maybe it's just because I really don't believe that I have an animalistic side to me that I mean, like, you know, <laughs> like I just don't really view myself as like a primal type of person. <laughs> I don't really know what the frick that means. Um <laughs> And so I just like the whole idea of like, we all have this animalistic desire. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, that doesn't sound <laughs> I'm like, who's we in me. this scenario? Yeah, I'm Don't like, drag uh, me into it's it. It's almost like, it almost gives me the same energy as like Sigmund Freud being like, we all haven't thought about our moms. And everyone's like, no, like we not all have thought about that. Um, and maybe that's just me, you know, but I think it's just like one of those things where I, I just. I don't like the metaphor of this episode. I think it's kind of stupid. And I also think that the whole idea of like, there's this force in us, like pushing us to be, you know, more animalistic and, you know, it just takes over is childish. I think it's a childish way to think. And I think it's a way to. I think it's just an excuse for when you hurt people. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think it's a way to not take accountability for when you mess up. 
oh, I didn't know. Like I, I was just drawn to this person. I was just blah, 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 blah. So to me, it just feels cheap. It feels cheap and I feel bad and I'm not trying to like hate on anyone. Um, but I just, I don't like the metaphor. I don't like it, especially for Oz. I just, and usually I can get behind the metaphor. I just, I can't. Yeah, that's fair. So I think one of the reasons why this episode feels so off, apart from the fact that we have, you know, the character assassination of Oz, is this is one of those rare episodes of Buffy that actually isn't about Buffy, even including the subtext, which I personally found kind of refreshing for if we're just looking at Buffy. Um, most episodes have some sort of subtext that points back to Buffy, but this one is all about Oz and Willow. In the DVD commentary, Joss says, I remember we spent a long time trying to figure out. We broke the story. We had it down, but we were like, we don't know what the Buffy is. I remember when we broke it, we were just like, we've got to figure out how Buffy's agenda completely relates to this one. This is the first time we went, you know what? We don't actually. It's like Buffy can be strong and interesting in the episode and save the day, but this one is about Oz and Willow straight up, and let's deal with that. But it also, I think it makes the most sense for it to be in season four because season four, mm. Buffy is a little bit more in the background um, because she's figuring herself out. Like, I'm not saying she's not the main character. She is. Love her. But there's like, just a lot of change happening around there's her. There's so right much now. change. And I think season four does try to elevate everyone's storylines and so i think that it totally makes sense that if there was an episode that really didn't have much buffy in it that it would it would be in season four so let's talk about seth green and why he got written out of the show like this so this marks the last time that he appears in the opening credits um apparently joss had originally envisioned the love triangle between oz of and willow to be the like a subplot for the entire okay but thank four. god the only plus side of him <laughs> having to leave abruptly is only getting one freaking episode of him Veruca. because i don't think i could do it guys i don't i think i would actually quit the podcast i'm not even but lying like one also, episode is enough <laughs> okay i don't know if this is skipping ahead if it is or cut me off and i won't okay, feel offended mm -hmm. why the frick did they think it was necessary to have another cheating slash triangle storyline when we literally already had that in season a three season ago. or two, literally a whatever, season ago. with Cordelia, Oz, Xander, like all that. I guess it's more of like a square, but whatever the frick. Like, it was more of Willow, Xander, and Oz, but I mean, Cordelia was there as well. I, I it guess, was a square. Okay, fine. Whatever. Square. Not a triangle. But it's like, we already went through this. We already had a cheating scandal with Willow and Oz. And so it's like... To have it again is just like it's it's lazy writing. I'm sorry, it <laughs> is like, and I hate that because the show is not lazy. And so to me, it's like to try and pin it off as a creative storyline in the wild, animalistic thing. I'm like, no, we've already seen this. We already saw the cheating, you know, scandal. It's not interesting. It's not. Like well, we've also done the whole we have a beast inside me metaphor specifically with Oz three times now. Like, can we move on with it? Or we could have that metaphor, sure, but maybe not have Veruca. Uh, we could still have the same metaphor here. Like he could hurt Willow physically while he's a werewolf. I feel like that could still do the same thing. And then him being like, I need to like get myself under control. Like I like I'm scaring myself whatever or you could go dark and have him like kill somebody 
then he leaves. It's like there are like I'd be okay with either one of those. <laughs> Just don't get me Veruca. So I have to separate what I as a fan want and what I think the story could do well and what would be interesting for the characters. Obviously, me as a fan hates Veruca, hates the Oz cheating storyline, hates that Oz leaves. I don't want to see any of that. But from a story standpoint, I think the weakest part of this episode is the fact that we did not have any sort of uh, dimension or flaws built into Oz's character yeah. other it's than – It's not believable. That's why it's so upsetting. The three – well, I'm not going to say it's 100% not believable because I think it could be believable. The thing is the groundwork wasn't laid out very well. So we had Pangs, which was the first episode that Oz became a werewolf. And then we had Beauty and the Beasts. And then we have this episode. And – I think that the manner in which Oz reacts in this episode, maybe with the exception of cheating, is pretty consistent with how he's acted in the last – those episodes. The thing is, is that three episodes in the span of a season and a half of him being on the show is not enough time to lay the groundwork for how drastic of a change and how drastically he cheats and all the other stuff that ha- that happens in this episode. And for him to leave Willow and just be like, no – um, and we'll get there. We'll talk about it. I think season four did a really good job of laying the groundwork for as for where they had Oz already, but it wasn't good enough because there was no groundwork laid in seasons three and two as well. So, um, because like I mean, um, we'll talk about it in a second, but let me continue on with what I was saying before. Um, okay, so Seth Green abruptly left the show because he wanted to pursue a movie career, explaining that the character was always better served in a reoccurring capacity, and Joss and I both felt it was better to revert to that status. So Whedon says losing Green so suddenly was a heartbreaker, and so Willow got her heart broken. I took what we were all feeling and put it on screen so everybody would be on the same page, which I do have to commend the show and Joss for season four. I feel like they do a really good job of every time there is a massive change on the show, they also have a change happening with the characters so that we as the audience are brought along with the characters and not just left being dragged, which I appreciate. So before I read this quote, kind of like bits and pieces of what I've picked up and stuff is that Seth Green was really unhappy with the fact that his role in season three, especially of Buffy, didn't give him very much to do, which we can all agree with. He says he felt like he was just there to sit around and sometimes not really say anything. He just would come on. And they were, remember, they're shooting for sometimes up to 17 hours a day. I don't think he was there that long, but a lot of his scenes were at night. So he's being called at all hours of the day and night just to sit there. And then his character has absolutely no growth has very little to do and then very little dialogue. And also most of Seth Green's scenes were not actually even with Buffy. So he was more of the B plot or the C plot, um, which would be very frustrating. So initially him and Joss had talked about when he was about to become a series regular in season three, he said, hey, where are you going with me? What are we doing? And Joss had pitched kind of this, what was going to happen in season four storyline to Seth Green. And so they were planning on doing that. But as season three evolved, that ended up falling by the wayside. And Seth Green was just not happy with it going into season four. So that's where we're at in this quote. So Seth Green says, there was a point at which I approached Joss and just said I was really, I felt like we hadn't done anything that we had talked about. I felt like the character's potential versus what we actually were doing were in drastic opposition and I was getting other opportunities. So I asked to be let out because I spent an entire season as a regular on the show not doing or saying anything. 
They'd bound me to a series regular contract, yet the character didn't really necessitate being in every episode and every scene. So I found myself forced into scenes contractually that I really had no place or role in. So I'd spend five days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day to be in a scene with nine other people and hopefully get to say, I think Buffy's right. I was like, this isn't what we talked about. And I had another opportunity to do a movie, so I requested being let out for six episodes to do it, and it was just as much as the character was peripheral to get me off for six episodes apparently would have caused too much turmoil, so they just found a way to make me exit gracefully. Gracefully? (laughs) Gracefully. Well, you know, better than just, oh, Oz never comes back one day, you know? I'm sorry. Why couldn't they just have it be like, oh, Oz is, his band is performing around the world and he'll be gone I for six episodes. I think it's just the control. I'm it's sorry. the fact that he wanted if to leave for new six girl, If New Girl can do it and write Jessica mm-hmm. Day out for like half a season and it not feel like the end of the world and it feels like it's conducive to the plot, any show can do it. Like, I'm sorry. And also because they, they gave the other characters like some good like plot lines while she was gone. But also so, like, like – you can be creative. Yeah, and it's also like if Oz had come back in six episodes, everyone would have been like, oh, we missed you. That's it. But also like they could have just been like – it could have been any other storyline where Oz had to leave. Why did it have to be because of cheating? Why? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So in Katz's book that came out recently this past year, Seth Green elaborates a little bit more on his decision to leave saying, the deal that we were able to craft was that I would do those first six episodes of the new season, which ran right up until I went to film Knock Around Guys. I still posited that I could keep this contract. They could simply not pay me for the episodes that I wasn't on. And the suits were like, well, this is against corporate precedent. And I was like, guys, none of that matters. What do you want? They want me to do the episodes. I want to do the episodes. I also want to make these movies. Why can't we do this? I was like, I'm not trying to make enemies. I actually love everybody here and would do this forever, but I know that we could do both. So the fact that I was being fought at a corporate level about some theoretical precedent of their future negotiations with someone else in a similar position felt idiotic. So ultimately, they couldn't come to an agreement, so Seth chose his movie roles mostly due to the fact they were meteor roles. He struggled with how little Oz had to do. So from what it sounded like, And I mean, this makes so much sense. Seth Green was like, just don't pay me for those six episodes that I'm in and then just have me come back in. And they were like, well, uh, this sets a really bad precedent for if, you know, a future actor wants to do this and then it could, you know, affect and everything. And and Seth's like, okay, that doesn't have anything to do with like right now. Like this is a theoretical thing. And I'm telling you, like, I don't care. You don't have to pay me for those episodes. I'm not going to hold that against you. Um, I, I looked high and low guys. I read this a couple months ago. I read a couple of quotes and I cannot find where they are. So take this with a grain of salt since I can't find the actual sources and stuff. But I do, I do remember reading a quote where Joss Whedon was actually kind of frustrated because Seth was under contract and Seth broke his contract because technically he he was supposed to be a series regular for the rest of season four. Um, Seth told Joss, hey, I'll come back as a reoccurring role. Like, Just reduce me to what you had in season two so I can do both the movies and this. If the suits are not going to let me uh, get out of those six episodes, then just let me come back as a reoccurring role. And from the quotes that I saw, Joss was like, no. One quote I, that I saw said that Joss said that 
Seth Green's role as Oz was too integral and too big that he didn't want to reduce him to a reoccurring role. But I also saw another quote where Joss was unhappy that Seth was breaking his contract. And so he therefore decided that if he wasn't going to be a series regular, then that meant that he could not do a reoccurring role, which sounds like control to me. Yep. I think he just was mad that um, Seth Green wasn't falling in line with exactly what he wanted him to do. And I think he was mad that Seth Green wanted more out of his character, which I think is justified, and was mad that he wasn't doing what he was told. (laughs) And I think that Seth Green's completely justified in wanting to leave. You've been playing a character for three seasons now, and it's had no growth and barely any speaking roles. That would be boring as an actor. Yeah. And I don't want to project or like raise conjecture, but with what we've seen of Joss Whedon is it's very possible too that he was like, I don't like the idea of not having you to my disposal and that it will limit my storytelling. So maybe it wasn't necessarily he was being vindictive, but he was like, I'd much rather have total control of all my actors and characters um, for my writing reasons. And therefore, I'd much rather just not have you here at all because it would just – it wouldn't fit. So there's a possibility that that was the case. Maybe I'm giving Joss too much grace. Um, but every public statement that Joss and Seth Green has made has has made it sound like they left on good terms, that they – missed Seth. They wish he was there and that Seth wishes that he could have stayed on. It just didn't work with how they were doing their writing. And speaking of which, Seth says of his time on the show, he says, they gave us such good materials, so many moments for the undeserviced nerd to thrive and feel special and be inspiring. And for me as an actor, most of the characters I play are the loser, the misfit, the awkward guy, the guy who has no skills. And Oz was good at stuff, so I focused on making that true. And especially because Allie and I know each other so well, like we have such easy chemistry that I think we can play any emotion together. We really boost each other's willingness because there's no fear. It's all trust. The writers were generous enough to give us such stuff to work with, and we were both shameless and fearless about where we could take it. Unfortunately, there was one person who really, really struggled with Seth Green's leaving, and that was Sarah Michelle Gellar. Period, girl. She's always an advocate for everyone on set. I love her. Well, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Seth Green had been friends since they were really, Mm -hmm. really young. Like We're talking like five. They were both child actors and had been in commercials and such together. She said in Katz's book, that was really hard for me. I lost David, and then so soon thereafter, I lost Seth. Those were hard transitions for me. Even though Seth wasn't there all the time, for me, that was like a little piece of home and someone that I knew I could always count on, but I knew he'd always be in my life. And I get the sense from quotes and just different things that I've read that it was around this time that the toxicity on the show started to ramp up. It wasn't to the level that I think it was at the later end of the series, but I think this is when the cast started to kind of fracture. I think this is when Joss started to um, just become a lot worse in his behavior. Not Now that Charisma wasn't there, it was uh, to other characters and other cast members and stuff. Again, I don't have specific quotes and stuff, but from what I've heard and just with like later on in the seasons and stuff, I think this is when things just started to get a little bit harder. So my controversial, possibly controversial take of this episode is I don't think this episode happened completely due to Seth Green leaving. I think that they were always planning on having Oz cheat on Willow. I think they were like, if they're going to have the Veruca storyline be around for the entirety of the season, I think 
I think that was going to happen. I think it just all got crammed into this episode. And like Tabby said, I'm kind of relieved because I don't think I would have wanted to watch an entire season of this when there had been no precedent really of Oz's infidelity or anything like that. Um, I think there have been some red flags showing up in the past few episodes that don't make the things that happen in this episode to be a huge surprise. We've seen Veruca a few times now. Oz's great fear and fear itself was not being able to control his wolf. And at this point, he knew about Veruca, knew who she was, and felt that attraction. So like, there's been a precedent in this season, but there's only been a precedent for what, what five episodes? After him being in the series for a season and a half. Well, Veruca, the whole like attraction thing was only one episode. And that was literally the episode before this. And then like we saw him struggle with his wolf side a couple times, like you said, Sarah, but it was very sporadic. And it wasn't like Oz's character has never been in the forefront. So it's not like we've been like ramping up for this and expecting this. It's more of like, oh, shoot, we're actually going to dive into this. Okay. And yeah. then you drag in Veruca that we've had one interaction with basically. Right. Other than yeah. a walk by and him sniffing her, that doesn't really count. Right. But like right. one episode beforehand of being like, um, is he into her? And then all of a sudden, boom, a whole episode of both things. And you're like, wait a freaking right. second. This is too much. Right. That's my issue with it. It's it's the fact that it's just like so quick and mm. barely any time to really just like swallow the fact that we're like going to dive into like that whole werewolf side when we've they've barely given it time of day even in the episodes where they have been quote-unquote oz-centric werewolf episodes they've tackled three other storylines at the same time so it's like right i don't know it's just it feels kind of lazy to me it feels kind of very frustrating it feels very just like they could have done this in a way better way and still we could have felt the pain of him leaving rather than trying to assassinate him altogether yeah, no, I agree. And I think they just mashed too much in this episode. Like yeah. we had like, oh, let's delve that into Oz's storyline, but then, oh, let's also make him cheating and then boom, let's make him leave. Like it yeah. just was so much in one episode when I feel like we could have gotten there, just give us more time and make it more gradual buildup. But again, that was their original goal. So so the past few episodes, Oz has been wrestling with his wolf side on nights slash days that are not part of the three-day full moon cycle, and I think that's what scares him. And that is Veruca's premise, and that's ultimately why Oz leaves, because he's like, oh my gosh, it's not just those three days that I wrestle with the wolf. It's the fact that the wolf is a part of me, which means that this might be something I'll have to battle the rest of the 28 days, wait, 27 days, depends on how many days are in the month, um, the rest of the days of the month. And then, you know, this is a bigger thing. I just hate that Veruca doesn't even need to be part of that plot line. Yeah, I agree. It could have just been like his wolf side was starting to come out. He was starting to get a little more aggressive. Or or maybe he was tempted by Veruca but didn't do anything and was scared that he was even tempted. That would have been more Oz. That would have been more Oz. Stuff like that where it's like, but even in general, Veruca didn't need to be there. Yeah. It could have just been like, he started to notice stuff about him that wasn't normal for him. And he was mm-hmm. like, I need to figure this out. I don't know who I am. That's totally fair. And that's also completely such a good college storyline. Mm-hmm. It like it could have been such a good storyline for like college dropouts. Like people who start high school, like start college and then like it's notice that it's not for them. It's too much. So they take they take a gap year or they yeah. They set up the precedent the episode before when he's like dropping out of 
classes mm-hmm. and Will is getting bothered by that. And it's like, okay, let's lean into that instead of making it he's dropping classes to watch Veruca. Like that doesn't make sense. I think that it feels like the wolf storyline, instead of it being something that they expounded upon to inform Oz's character, was instead use it as an excuse to get Seth Green off the show. Mm-hmm. And there was no precedent for that. All right. So we start out with – I love Kate. I love that they start out with Buffy like being chased by a vamp on purpose to kind of deter away because I've oh, I've been thinking about that ever since we started season yeah. four. Um, cause I'm like, there's so many people around how she does people and no one's like looking out of their dorm room, just like gazing at the moon. And then all of a sudden they see like somebody stabbing <laughs> someone through the heart and then like completely going into dust. Well, it's so um, realistic cause Bobby's been trying to figure out how to slay around everybody yeah. in the past couple episodes. So I'm like, haha, she's figured it out. Yep. And she has some really funny puns, which he has no response for. Poor Buffy man. She's at her peak here. I will say, this is probably my favorite part of the episode is the fact that Buffy's one got some great puns, but we are no longer mooning over Parker. And I think that is cause She's for celebration. She's finally like her like kind of – I mean, other than the whole main plot of this episode, like the bits that we see of Buffy, even she's though she thriving. feels the weight of Willow, she's definitely – you could – you could tell she has a bounce in her foot now. Well, and I think it's good to see Buffy just kind of being normal. Like I agree. I think it's nice to just see her existing, loving on her friends, slaying. Like, and she is a phenomenal friend this episode. Yeah, and it's also like she's the main character, yes, but it's okay. It's okay for her not to be the main character in an episode or a few. Like, that really has never bothered me. Like, I think it's good to see her just kind of being normal for a couple weeks (laughs) like she doesn't have to be going through something crazy every single time well and then we see spike he's back i totally forgot he pops up in this episode the funny thing is i forgot all about him at by the end of the episode he's literally there for two (laughs) seconds and there's so much other stuff that happens you're like wait a minute funny i like how it's like he's like i'm the has this whole monologue i'm back and then he's gone for the whole episode. <laughs> Spike is back. Spike is gone. <laughs> um, and then we go back into the bronze. I will say it's nice seeing them back at the bronze. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. And even they talk about it too. They're kind of like breaking the fourth wall. They're like, oh, but it's comfy and cozy. You know, we're like, we're older now, but like, we like the familiarity. And then Giles shows up. <laughs> Poor dude. You can tell he's feeling so like lost right now. Yeah. This is the first episode that I was like, Okay, he's lost, lost. Because before yeah. this, I was kind of like, okay, maybe he's just enjoying his freedom. Like he's running, he's doing all this stuff. But this was the one that I was like, eh, I think there's some sort of like midlife crisis going on right now. <laughs> well, and like, it's funny because it's like, obviously they all love Giles, but the fact that he's like, they get it gets so awkward and he like invites himself to sit down. I was like, oh, and he offers like everyone a latte. I'm like, guys, just let him hang out with you. Pure man. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I really like the lighting of this episode and the opening shot because you have the gang sitting around the table, but Buffy and Xander's backs are to us and the spotlight is on Willow and Oz. So right away, it's like almost very clear that you know who this episode is going to be about. Um, And then the dialogue between Willow and Oz when she says, you're my person, Blanky. This is my place, Blanky. Um, It's very familiar because Buffy and Eddie's conversation in The Freshman, they talked about carrying around a security blanket. And that's when Eddie brought up human bondage and all that stuff. And it's just – it's the reoccurring theme of identity and like breaking away from what is normal. 
season four has a lot of changes and i feel like this is mm-hmm. the beginning to a lot of changes other than like buffy kind of going through a lot of them in the beginning of the season like every single character is having to wrestle with some sort of big identity crisis slash change um i think that's why it's so like the season four pill is very hard to swallow is mm-hmm. because a lot of stuff that we as viewers have viewed as a security blanket in the show have been ripped away and yeah. This episode is Will's turn, which is very hard to watch. It's hard. Yeah, I think she's the last one of the gang that actually needs her security blanket ripped away because everyone else has been struggling and she's the one that's been like, yeah, college is where I was meant to be. And I think the format is the the change that's – the the last change, I should say, for this series um, in season four that we're going to see. But I feel like out of the characters, Will is definitely the last one to kind of get something – taken like away the I big guess. change yeah yeah no, i agree yep um, jazz is all like hello youths i too am in need of a security blanket let me go to the bronze <laughs> <laughs> well and then oz is so sweet he's like oh like i've seen jazz's collection he was an animal in his day he's like well thank you <laughs> well which he did because in the harsh light of day remember oz is uh-huh. over there looking at his stuff while you know they're watching the tv oh so funny i love those little like connections there well done writers well, this freaking episode, dude, because it's like such whiplash. You have like these sweet moments between Oz and Willow, yeah. and then all of a sudden he whips his head because Veruca freaking. Okay, I can cannot. we talk about this chick? The There's way that also she. Like, I don't know if it was her choice, or I don't know if it was Jaws. Or Flip, or <laughs> I wish I wish sorry. you all could see Leah right now. Who She's over here rubbing her frick? eyes. Like I know I don't understand. Like. Clearly, this show knows how to do seductive and sexy. Like, we've seen Buffy, we've seen Faith, we've seen Angel, we've seen all, like, so many of these characters. This is not sexy to you, Leah? Even Willow, like, when she was, like, Vamp Willow, like, she was sexy. What the frick is this chick doing? Like, actually, like, she's whipping her head around. She looks ridiculous. (laughs) She looks like she has a fracture. She looks like the bent, like, bent neck lady. But, like, she literally is, like... She looks weird. I'm like, I don't know what they were trying to go for. I just, I really don't, like, I don't understand why they didn't just have her singing normally and had Oz, like, just attracted to her. Like, the stylistic choice of it literally makes me physically uncomfortable. Like, I have to fast forward because (laughs) I'm, like, actually uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. The worst part for me is when she's singing and she brings her leg up. Do you remember that part? She lifts her leg up. I was I like, girl, I don't think I even noticed it. that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It was awful. Okay. So Veruca, the name Veruca is one that was made up by Royal Doll for the horrid little girl Veruca Salt in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Before that- I never put two and two together. Yep. Ugh. A modern rock band adopted the name, though few parents – okay, this is from Nameberry.com, and it made me crack up. This is a direct quote. A modern rock band adopted the name, though few parents familiar with the original namesake and meaning would choose to pass it on an innocent child. Veruca is another spelling, but don't use that one either. <laughs> direct quote from a name origin site. Um, guess what Veruca means? Slip. <laughs> no, it means wart. Ew, what? Wart? Wart, yes. Man, they did this character dirty. <laughs> yeah, 
Okay. So Paige Moss is the actress who plays Veruca. She's best known for playing Tara Marks in Beverly Hills 90210 and Ashley in Can't Hardly Wait, where she worked with Seth Green. So in describing her audition, Paige says, I put in two different colored contacts and picked the sexiest outfit I had. I went into audition and decided this was only going to work if I was willing to let go and have fun. So that's what I did. I let go and she just came out wolf and all. I got a call back from Joss later that day. The second audition was different. I actually got to read with Oz. I was excited because we had worked together before, so I thought that that would work out in my favor. But when I got there, Seth was already working with another girl. I immediately started to worry because I wanted to practice beforehand, but we didn't get to. Actors were also insecure. It must have worked out for the best because we had great chemistry in the room, even with all those extra eyes watching. It went great. Seth told me later when it was all over, Joss picked up my photo and said, that's my Veruca. She goes on to add, I created Veruca from my lack of confidence. She was the fearless side of me that I wish would come out more. My dog, Fauxpas, which is a really cute name for a dog, helped too. And my cat, Wolf, who thinks he's too good for everyone. I think Veruca related to that. Veruca was so different from most of the parts I play. She was wild and sexy. I love Joss for letting me be different looking and still be considered sexy. So then the interviewer asked her if she thinks Oz should have chosen a life with Veruca over killing her, to which she said, yes, Oz and Veruca belong together. They actually had the chance to live out their lives as soulmates. How often does a chance like that come along in a lifetime? Look at Buffy and Angel and how much pain they are in because they can't be together. Oz and Veruca's bond is something that no one else <laughs> in the world could share. <laughs> I tried to hold it in. I'm sorry. <laughs> And remember, soulmates always find their way back home to each other because only silver bullets can kill the werewolf. So she's inferring that Veruca didn't actually die and Oz and Veruca will find their way together. That is actually – there's so much to unpack there. First of all, Ver, the actress who plays Veruca is gorgeous. Tears going down my face. I, I, I need to specify this. The actress who plays Veruca is stunning. She's gorgeous. It's just Veruca as a character is hideous. <laughs> like the way that they have her talk and move and everything. Like I just know. But the actress herself is gorgeous. She sounds like a sweet person. However, the fact that she thinks that Oz and Veruca are soulmates. You know, I think that if I was an actress, I would kind of. I would assume that my character was the main character. Doesn't matter if I'm there. I feel like you have to. You have to. You have to like your character. To sell it. You have to. So I don't falter. I will say, I think she's completely wrong. (laughs) There is no way in hell that Baruka is Oz's soulmate. Are you kidding me? That is she goes actually, in for what episode thinks that she's yeah. the soulmate. Oh, okay, like, girly. And also, like, Oz's human side didn't even like her. <laughs> like, it's literally just the fact that they're wolves. That's like saying that if a dog pees on a fire hydrant, that they're literally like soulmates because he was attracted to the fire hydrant. <gasps> it's like, no, that's just his animal instinct. Like, that literally, like, that makes no sense to me. Like, I actually feel bad for her. That's a little embarrassing. <laughs> But I understand it because if I was an actor, I'd be the same way. I'd be like, yeah, my character for sure, for sure is the one that they're in love with. For sure is their love interest. And I'd watch back and I'd be like, oh, God, no. No, no, no. It was not me. You guys have no idea. I have tears streaming down my face. This is too much. I just, I don't understand. I feel like there's, 
maybe she just was saying this for the interview. I got to say that because I feel like that's a little, okay, sorry, Paige Boss. I don't mean you're delusional, but what you're saying sounds delusional because this girl, this chick had to know she was auditioning for what was essentially a villain role because she's going up against freaking Allison Hannigan, making Allison Hannigan cry. She also who's tried killing to, Willow. Who's like, going to what? choose Veruca huh? over sweet Allison Hannigan's tears? Like, come on here, girl. Like, no, but I think we're like skipping over the fact that she literally tried to kill her. Also, so does like, anyone forget the fact that Oz does choose Willow in the end? Yeah, like, right. He literally well, does. Hmm. Kind of kills your soulmate theory, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, he literally like kills Veruca and then like, or at least allows her to be killed. And he's then, constantly like, rejecting Veruca the entire episode. Yeah. It's only when he's and literally then, filled with lust from his animal being that he yeah. finally lets in. And he only leaves because he doesn't like the fact that he did that to Willow and like wants to figure it out. It's all about Willow. <laughs> I just, I was dying when I read that. And she compares it to Angel and Buffy. That's what made me lose it. I, I was trying so hard to keep it until the yeah, end. Yeah, I could I see could your face. <laughs> do it. Anyway, oh. okay, moving on. I just thought that I just, just made this episode that. so worth it. Thank you, Sarah, for that. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm sorry you're I ever crapped on your quotes. No, <laughs> honestly, I, I lied to myself as well. So I think it's really brave of her to come out and say that in front of everyone. <laughs> it is very brave. It is an opinion that she has. Okay, anyway, I'm just going to wipe my face. This whole scene is just uncomfortable, and I'm so proud of Buffy for trying to step in the gap there and try and make conversation to distract Oz but she, it's just she like comes uh, in in the moments that Willow and everyone needs her in this episode with mm-hmm. like out any probing like kudos to Buffy I mean we all know Buffy's a great friend but she just really kills it this episode yeah and poor Giles always oblivious of everything is over there like wow she has like great stage presence for someone her age and both like Giles and Xander are glued in on Veruca and you watch Buffy as the only other female there just looking at how heartbroken Willow is yep well speaking of heartbreaking too we just jump to like Oz's dorm uh-huh. <sighs> and like Willow sleep talking they have this whole sweet moment that I don't really want to go into detail just because it's going to get ripped away from us at the end of the episode and then he just kind of mentions, like, it's always so busy in there, referring to her head, which will come back later on. Mentions that he has a full moon tonight and for the next three nights, and that he's going to lock himself away for the next three nights. And well, and Willow mentions that she can't be there because she has a Wiccan mm-hmm. club meeting. She has a whatever, new Wiccan group, yeah. Yes, which is really important for later, but is also kind of interesting based upon what we see her doing later on in the episode. Back in a Walsh's class, which is funny that this is the only class we see Buffy ever attending. It's only true, Walsh's huh? class. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be important later, but I'm like, where You're are like, we going mm, with this? I wonder <laughs> why. I'm like, I know that there's less classes in college, but uh, not this many less. Walsh comes up to Buffy, giving back her paper and says that she did excellent work and wants her to start a discussion group next class, which... To Buffy's credit, Willow is super jealous of her, but then also super supportive, which is super sweet. And she's like, what? You made me jealous of you academically? And she's super proud of her. And she's like happy for her. I really think it's funny that Buffy has questions and Walsh is like, if you have any questions, bring them up with the TAs or one of the TAs. And I was like, gee, I wonder which TA she's going like, to go to. I wonder why. <laughs> and he's like the only TA. I've only seen one but TA, also, Maggie. Like- <laughs> 
Mrs. Walsh really seems to, or Miss Walsh, whatever the frick, she really Maggie. seems to be relying on her TAs more than I have seen any other teacher rely on their TAs. Like that's what she's I like, said. If yeah. She's in the ever, middle of lecturing, and someone's yeah. like, "Miss Walsh, um, I have a question." Ask like, my no, TA, Riley. who literally doesn't <laughs> get paid <laughs> to answer your questions. Like that's we also weird. never see Riley in class. And then he's supposed to be like a junior or a we senior. Did once. No, he's like in class working. He's never like taking oh, oh. a class. Yeah. yeah. Very weird. Yeah, I'm very suspicious. So this next shot with Willow and Buffy's conversation, did you guys notice that it's a one shot? Mm-hmm. So from the moment that Buffy leaves the classroom until the end of their conversation, and I just – every time I see them, I am floored because there are so many extras milling around in this one, and there is so much dialogue between the two of them. I can't imagine that this was easy, but both the actresses rock it, and I really wish I knew how many takes they had until they finally nailed this one. It's, it's very well done. So – Oz walks outside lunch tables. <laughs> and can I just say, this whole interaction with Oz and Veruca, I was just the entire time, I was like, oh, of course Veruca's a freaking pick me. Like, I hate <laughs> when women are like, what? What you know, I've seen a girl eat before. I hate when girls are just so messy with their food. I'm like, hmm, maybe because some girls struggle with eating around people because they're made fun of. Or maybe mm-hmm. they have eating disorders, or maybe body dysmorphia, or maybe they just don't like being messy around people. Can you not do that? It's so annoying to me. Or maybe I hate just that. let people eat however the frick they want <laughs> and don't make it a personality trait. Like, but it's whatever. I mean, honestly, the thing that makes me mad about this is that Oz doesn't necessarily do anything wrong. He sits down, he immediately tells yeah, her, Oh, I'm waiting for my chill. girlfriend. Like, mm-hmm. clarifies, like, this interaction. It feels like Oz. It really does. You can tell he's a little bit more scatterbrained and it's like weird that he leaves Willow. But I don't think he's inappropriate with Fruka in any way. He's actually like, if if my boyfriend interacted like that, I wouldn't be like, <laughs> you know, like I'd be like, oh, okay, that was a little weird, you know, which I think is good because at least in my mind, I'm like, it's not Oz that's attracted to her. It's literally just his wolf side. Like, Well, see, I disagree with that. They do have a and lot in common, he- though. Well, they are soulmates. I think the episode. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I was kind of. I don't think they're soulmates, but I think the episode makes and the show makes a case for the compatibility of Ruka and Oz as more than just werewolves, and that's what you see here. They're both musicians, which musicians Willow and then the werewolf are probably the three most important things in Oz's life, or at least, yeah, they're up there. And Veruca hits two of those. And if Willow's not his girlfriend, Veruca would be, would take that place. So I think that, I mean, this episode is kind of a metaphor for the high school boyfriend and girlfriend that go to college and grow apart or find someone new. And they, they kind of make Veruca almost like the tantalizing girl that would be very relatable for Oz. Also, too, in the conversation later on, Veruca and Oz have right before they get into the cage, Veruca says, you knew who I was from the moment you first laid eyes on me. So, And then also Oz tells Willow later on that he wanted Veruca. I'm not saying he loved Veruca. He wanted Veruca more than Willow. That And yes, that is his Oz side, but this entire episode's message is trying to show us that Oz and his wolf are more connected when than we think. They're not as separated. And so they're putting little moments like this in here to show us that it might be that Oz himself is attracted to her, not just the wolf. And I think there's lots of dialogue to back that up. 
I know it's not the answer. I think that you can hear. like be attracted to somebody, I but I think oh. it's the animal part of him that is released out of that that makes him act on it. Right. But is the animal part separate or is that Oz? And that's the question. It's separate. Because um, <laughs> Oz would have would never, never, ever cheat on Willow. And it, he only really ever gets like unable to control himself when he is about to turn into a werewolf. And we'll we'll get there. But like, like Willow said, and she says it's super like um, mature after like Ruka and Oz have the whole weird interaction where she mistakes the amps names for Elvis songs and mm-hmm. then both of them mm-hmm. leave and uh, Buffy comes over. She has this really like mature response that kind of I feel like reminds me of like um you you both have seen Gimmel Girls. You know when like Rory is talking to like Logan season seven, she like confesses that she has like a small crush on somebody and they have a really mature conversation of being like, yeah, like it's natural to like find other people attractive. Um as long as like you're not like acting on it or like flirting with them or like whatever and i feel like that's that's how life is it's like we're like i'll watch a television show and we're gonna notice other people you know but that's natural but i think it's the fact of being like okay am i gonna let those urges take over me or am i going to be mature and um, redirect them or just not give any light to them but even so like like willow's trying really hard like she walks over sits down with both of them tries to interact mm-hmm. in the conversation she's not being like she's not like getting super clouded with their jealousy yeah she knows that like oz notices her but she's mm-hmm. like still trying to be confident in their relationship right and i think that i mean it is clever in the way that they lead it up the thing is is that oz makes small decisions and compromises throughout the show, which I think are problematic. Him sitting down to sit with Veruca and talking with her isn't like, oh my gosh, he cheated, all this other stuff. But we know by the end of the episode that he is attracted to Veruca husband. And knowing mm-hmm. that he's attracted to her still puts himself in situations where he talks with her. And then also knowing that Willow has like insecurities about this he's still doing that. And so it's kind totally. of like, I think there's a little bit more blame to be put on his doorstep than I want to give him. But unfortunately, that's what the episode's showing us. I mean, Oz, this whole episode, I'm not happy with him. So even the small steps he takes that aren't great, like I don't agree with. Um, yeah. It's just all around. It's just great. not fun. Yeah, I don't like no, talking about it. it's not fun to, to watch or see or anything like that. Will says she doesn't want to be the jealous type. And yada, yada, yada. They have the whole conversation. And then we see Oz that evening caging himself, but then breaking it out of it, which I feel like I'm like, dude, we literally see chains on the wall right next to him. He didn't even chain himself up. It was literally just him inside the cage, and then he knocked it over. Like, either he was trying to be, like, careless or, like, he just forgot. I just I think he was distracted. Mm -hmm. I legitimately – that's the vibe I get is that he gets in there. His mind is so, like, foggy-headed and just, like, that he legitimately just doesn't think about it. It's also possible that, like, it's been forever since he broke out that after a while you just get careless and you just mess up, you know? Um, And then he goes and scares Mrs. – or Maggie. I don't want to say Mrs. Walsh. That feels weird. It's Professor Um, Walsh, but yes. Yeah, like Mrs. Walsh. Okay, when I saw this, I was like, oh, yeah, we haven't seen the werewolf costume in a while. I was like, I forgot. Why did they change it? It's so creepy. It's so gross. And then all of a sudden I saw Veruca's and I was like, hang on. It gets worse. No, it's so gross. They really did this girl dirty so much. And that's also how I know she's not the love of his life because they did not even try and make her a hot wolf. Like, 
Not that like she's gonna come out in, like a bikini and like actually look hot, but I just mean like they didn't even try to make her look like a girl wolf or something. I don't know. She just she looks hideous. Why do they give them human faces? They look like apes to me. I'm like, this is so creepy. I also just hate like monkeys and gorillas. And so the fact that their faces look like real people faces and they're all covered in hair is so weird. I'm going to pull out that gift that you sent me or that video you sent me like years ago, Leah, of that um, the girl who goes around in the gorilla costume and like prances around with like the pink boner hair. And you said the chick who tries to seduce. Um, oh, Oz, do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to bust I forgot that. about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brooke on her way to seduce Oz. Um, it, apparently in 1985, Lindsay Krause, who plays Maggie Walsh, she played Seth Green's mother in ABC after school specials, I Want to Go Home. Here, Oz attacks and tries to kill Krause's character, Professor Walsh. Green laughingly called this coincidence the circle of life. <laughs> and then just like a parallel in Fangs or whatever that episode was. No, it's not Fangs. It's, oh. It's um, Phases. Phases. That's what it is. Well, he wakes up in the woods, but this time not alone. <laughs> and Fudge. I like the first reveal when we found out Oz was a werewolf better than this one. Um. So while filming a scene where Oz and Vruka wake up, Seth Green talked about being naked except for a man thong. He stated that this was incredibly uncomfortable since Paige Moss had her boyfriend visiting the set. But Paige Moss tells a different story. She said her favorite story from the episode is when, and I quote, we were filming the morning after Veruca and Oz's first night together as werewolves in Griffith Park, which I was like, hey, I used to go to Griffith Park. Oz and I had to wake up in the woods together naked. Well, it was my second day and I had to wear a thong in front of everyone. Oz was in biker shorts. He saw that they had put me in this tiny underwear and he changed into the same thing. He said if I had to be, he would too. I felt so much better not being alone. Seth is a great person. That was completely oh. unnecessary, but he did in any way. Stop. That's, That's so, so sweet, sweet that he painted out to being that he was uncomfortable and he didn't even mention that he changed. Oh, what a sweetheart. Yep. I know. Also, why put a girl in a thong, but the guy wears biker shorts? Why did they – But he's she's also behind him. She doesn't need to be in a thong. Exactly. That was mm-hmm. my thought. Yeah. But I also, if both the actors are uncomfortable, just have them – just shoot it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, neither of them needed to be in a thong. <laughs> you don't yeah, see anything. Right. They really didn't. Yeah. They, they Maybe. could have just showed leg. Yeah, I think they maybe needed to be in something for like the second scene where they woke up inside the cage because you see a lot more. But I don't know. I'm just going to miss Seth Green. Sounds like he is an amazing guy. And all the behind the scenes stories I hear of him, he just he just sounds great. Um, The next scene, we have the whole laundry room exchange where both of them are going through other students clothes to put on. Oz says that for the next um, full moon tonight, for her to come and stay in the cage, they should be locked up. And then she goes on this whole monologue about how the beast is part of them, that they're the werewolf all the time. And I don't even, <laughs> I don't even care all to this, know what she's All this stuff that we never were clued into at all until we hit this episode, which exactly. is why I feel like it was rushed. Okay, I do want to mention that part in the woods when they woke up and Veruca says, you know what I am. You've known since the first time you saw me. I was like, this feels a lot like Edward to Bella when he's like, you know what I am. Say it as he's like behind her. And I just got like Twilight vibes. (laughs) I just, it's interesting that they said that they had such good chemistry because I never really thought that Oz and Fruit had chemistry. Dang, Leah's really going in. 
I'm sorry, guys. Everyone's going to hate me after this episode. I just No, I think everyone will agree with you. (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I just... I didn't really ever feel like they had a lot of chemistry. Like I, you can tell that the characters are drawn to get to get eh, together, and I don't think that they're bad actors or anything like that. But I never really watched this and thought like, wow, those characters have chemistry. I feel like Paige Moss is trying too hard with the whole animalistic movements. Like I just want to grab her and force her to stand up straight. And I, I know she's trying to act animalistic, but with her head cocked forward, it makes my neck hurt the entire time. And I think sometimes it pulls me out of what she's saying because all I can focus is on her weird, like snake-like hypnotic head movements. Um, I don't know. and Or maybe it's just the fact that all of this is so extreme in one episode that it's hard to wrap my brain around the fact that he's attracted to someone else other than Willow. But I don't know. I just feel like we could have had a little bit more subtlety. And like felt the tension without it being thrown in our face. Yeah. Um, And I just, I I don't know. I feel like her showing too much of the animalistic side, but just didn't feel natural to me. I was like, we can kind of feel that without it being so thrown in our face. Yeah. Like, sure, she could do her little seductive voice, whatever. But like that paired with the weird movements is a little bit too much for me. I'm like... The dialogue itself is already speaking volumes. It's already like a little too out there for where we're at in the show. But then on top of that, having like that performance. Weird tension. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. odd to me. Personally, so. and I said this when we did Angel in the Dark, I think that Oz should have just left and gone over to Angel. I think he would have fit in really well there with him trying to figure out his wolf side over on in- Angel's Investigations, Angel Investigations. I think it would have been really fascinating, and I think there would have been an opening over there for him to explore that a little bit more. I feel like in theory, yes, but like Angel's hard because the whole group of people in Angel have like very various talents and or personal stuff going on that I feel like you would be hard. I just feel like you'd be sidelined just like he was in like Buffy. Cause the, like, I feel like werewolves don't aren't given like any time of day in the Buffy universe. And I feel like it's hard to kind of share the screen with both vampires and werewolves in a show like that. I feel like, I mean, I've never seen twilight, so I don't really know, but I feel like they kind of give, I mean, I feel like usually one of them shines a little bit more than the other. So I feel like in Twilight, it's usually more of like the vampires and then the werewolves are kind of not as prevalent. But then you also get like, what's that show? Um, The one that's like mostly werewolf. No, it's mostly werewolf. Oh, True Wolf? Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. But like there's still some vampires in that one. I feel like one of them is like definitely a lot more like heavy, but I feel like Vampire Diaries does a good job of kind of doing both. Um, But Buffy just, they don't, they don't go into the werewolf thing like literally at all. They didn't, but that's not to say that they wouldn't have over on Angel. I just, I just think don't that see it happening though. Well, and I also I don't really care. <laughs> I don't like the okay, – here's the thing. I know y'all are going to come for me, but I don't like the way that they represent werewolves in the Buffy Buffyverse. So like I'm okay with them not going down yeah. that route. I feel like I feel like most people would agree with you, but I think it's okay because I think it's mainly a vampire show. And I think that everyone in comparison to vampires is secondary, like not counting humans, Mm -hmm. but I mean like every demon-esque thing is like secondary to vampires. I mean, it's literally called the vampire slayer, not the demon slayer. No, I know. I just- Which is also a gas TV show. I I actually like, 
I feel like people tend to gravitate towards one or the other more, and I'm way more of a vampire girly. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're so fun. I think that you could do so much with vampires. I think the whole lore of vampires in every single adaptation varies, and I think that's really fun to kind of figure it out. Werewolves to me aren't – they don't do that to me. Like, okay, they turn into a dog. Okay, and – it's because like, they can't actually talk. The, the that, that's the that thing too. Is like when like you're fighting people. and it's a, it's a dog. Yeah. I'm like uh, okay. And then when we get yeah. these like weird looking like gorilla things, I'm like yeah. that doesn't really give me anything either. So I'm like I just right. no. I'm okay. Right. I've also never seen yeah. T Wolf, even though I do need to only because Sarah Michelle Gellar is going to be in like yes, that. yes. Is it a movie or a series? It's gonna be a movie, and then it'll be spin off into Sarah Michelle Gellar's being on her own series. That's so fun, and she's she's yes. gonna be one of the executive producers too. So, okay, but I just wanted to highlight one last thing in this scene. Oz says, "I'm gonna have to check the paper and see if we did any damage last night." Veruca says, "We did, but only to each other." I know some part of you remembers that, and then she says, "It doesn't take a full moon. We could do it again right here." Crap, they actually had sex. So they had sex that night and then they have sex again the, the night. So I never caught that before. You never I, caught that? No, I just thought that she like. She mentioned that they went like buck wild on each other. Yeah, I, I mean, assumed. I guess I just wasn't paying attention. So it's like or, they just cuddled. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I just blocked that out of my mind, but oh my gosh. I just, that makes a lot of sense why. Things just get worse. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Moving on. We're halfway there. Halfway there. Then uh, Buffy overhears Walsh and Riley talking about the attack. Um, And then Riley's like, is there anything you need, Buffy? I was like, why is he being so nice? Like, (laughs) this is a little – Well, I mean, he always has been – I, I, okay, so Tabs, I think what you were talking about earlier at the very beginning, there are certain shots of this episode that are weird. And that's this is what one I'm saying. This whole yeah. episode just doesn't feel like Buffy. It feels weird. I'm like, watch this. I'm like, what type of parallel universe did they just pop this episode in? So there are certain moments, like, I feel like the way they cut it wasn't great. It feels awkward. It feels yes. like choppy She's and awkward. She's standing over in the corner, and then it's like they could have cut it to make it look like she was walking over instead of watching her wait. And then it was almost like she was waiting for her cue, and then they cut it. And then they had this moment where instead of panning out and shooting Buffy talking to Maggie Walsh and then Riley just turning to Buffy in that same shot, they suddenly cut away to Riley and so they, they're trying to emphasize Riley is asking Buffy if she needs – and I'm like, okay. Okay, guys. I see oh, what you're doing here, writers. He, no, he – and then he leans down to her. I was like, he's like, he's talking to your child anything you need. I just – no. There's nothing wrong. He was being kind. <laughs> no, I just couldn't but do it. But the extra emphasis that they had with that yeah, one shot, I was me. like – Wasn't that weird? I could see you shaking your <sighs> head. I just – it I was can't down say for me. anything about Riley without it purely being based on my taste in men. <laughs> And yeah, I no, just, that is very true. Yeah. And 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 that's the thing. Riley has been a normal character. It's just everything this man is is such a turnoff for me. But that's me. That's just me. Yeah. Like I he just screams don't, Southern Mama's boy, which is like the opposite yeah, of what I like. And that is the opposite of my taste. And yeah. so it's like I just kind of try to refrain quiet because I'm sure that that's Buffy's taste or someone else's taste. It's just not mine. So when he does stuff like this, I'm just like, oh, I would just be so pissed <laughs> off. I'd be like, what are you? Why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> I thought but it it's was nice. Sweet, but it's I- nice. 
I think it was honestly more the way that Mark Lucas chose to do that scene and also the way that they cut it. I think it's it felt very um, out of place. It just pulled me out of the scene. So yes, there was a couple of shots yeah. like that that happened throughout the the episode and I just was like, okay. It and just it feels like it was thrown like together hastily. Mark Lucas objectively is a incredibly attractive person. Like I agree. he has that whole 90s swoop hair which is like my kryptonite. I and usually that works for me. I don't care who the character is. Like it's literally like I love it so much. But it's just the character of Riley I just can't stand. But I've seen interviews of Mark and I've seen him and I saw him one other movie. I didn't like the movie, but I liked his character. And I was like, he's great. Like it has nothing to do with the person. And so I don't want anyone out here thinking that I'm like crapping on Mark Lucas or what yeah, he looks no, like totally. or any of those things. Like it's just Riley. I think part of it is just the framing of the episode and how they did certain shots. Okay, so Professor Walsh says, biggest thing I've ever seen, the first one, I thought it was, well, for a moment, I thought it was a gorilla. My heart practically stopped. Um, and not giving anything away, this conversation doesn't make sense to me given what we learn later on in the season. If you know, you know, but there is a little part that was cut from the script, which adds more context. So after she says that line, she says, I know how it sounds, but crazy is my specialty. And I definitely saw what I saw. So that adds a little more context. Still doesn't quite explain things fully, but. Yeah, I feel, yeah. I was like, I don't know how to mention that, but yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't make sense in the full picture. Oh, gosh. Okay. And then we get Oz's dorm where he basically just rejects Willow sevenfold. Um, and Willow comes in like dressed like Faith. Like she's mm-hmm. trying to be a person that she's not mm-hmm. in order to kind of get the attention of her boyfriend who's noticing another woman. And it mm-hmm. just freaking sucks. This whole scene sucks. Him brushing her off, rejecting her so many ways, but then still trying to act like Oz is just – Oh, the poor girl. The look in her eyes. Sad. I just, I feel for, in a fictional world, in a non-fictional world, I feel for any girlfriend that feels like she has to fight for her boyfriend's attention. Or any boyfriend mm-hmm. that feels like they have to fight for their girlfriend's attention or whatever. Like, not even just, attention to. Like, this is like in yeah, a sexual basic, way. Like, he, like yeah. yeah. I just, I feel it, it's painful. Like, it's just mm-hmm. sad. And I... Like, I felt this. I'm sure thousands of other people have felt this, like, just towards the end of a relationship where, like, one person is feeling it way more. And it's like you're just fighting and clinging on to it. It is just so sad. And I just feel for her. Yeah. And I – and the thing is, is that the metaphor is a girl trying to fight for her boyfriend's attention. But the actual thing that's happening is Oz is not rejecting her because he isn't attracted to her. It's because he feels ashamed of what happened. But it's still it's still hurtful to Willow, you know? Um, I, I did crack up Passion of the Nerd when he was reviewing this episode. When he saw Willow come in, he says, and Willow shows up in her new outfit that her insecurities bought her. And I was dying. I thought that was a very, very funny but succinct way of putting that in. Interestingly, though, Tabby, you mentioned that she came dressed like Faith. Uh, So Faith generally wears the black leather. Buffy has worn the red leather. And Willow comes in wearing the green, which green is the color of envy, which I thought was really kind of – Yeah, it's a green leather. I didn't even see that. Yep. Kind of cool. Because she's trying to be like Faith but can't quite – fully dress herself that way. Yes, because she's still herself at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. She can't hide that. Passion the Nerd also pointed out that Willow asking for sex is not just about 
sex. It's her asking for reassurance that he still cares for her. This moment of him rejecting her is more than just about the sex. It is about the fact that she wants to know that he still loves her. being wanted. She wants to be wanted and desired. That's what this is. Even when she goes and talks to Xander in the basement or after this, he mentions like the different categories. He's like, well, what type did you want? And she's like, any kind. That yeah, tells I just me everything. Something. She wanted yeah. something. It's not necessarily the sex. It's the fact that he kept blowing her off. It's the fact that he that wanted her. He's attracted to someone else. It's it's yeah. like she needs to feel needed. She needs to feel wanted. Yep. She needs to feel desired. I think I mentioned it before, but I read this book in high school, and it was called How to Read Literature, like a professor. And it talks it like the book is about like teaching you how to read literature. I read it in high school and it literally changed my perspective on so many things, but it pretty much teaches you how to read literature and like absorb media in an intelligent way. And one of the things, one of the chapters in there is called like, it's, I think, I think it's called everything's about sex except sex. Mm, And it literally talks about how in media, in books or TV shows or whatever, 90% of the time, when characters are having sex, talking about sex, wanting sex, whatever it is, it's not about the sex. It's about mm-hmm. something else, whether it's power, love, lust, Loneliness just their connection. motives. Yeah. Lo- like it is mm-hmm. always, Solace. it's always something. There's always some reason why the sex is there. Willow doesn't want sex. She wants her boyfriend to notice her, to want her. Affirm she wants her. to feel loved and desired mm-hmm. and. She doesn't want sex. She's not horny. She just wants her boyfriend to want her. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was watching this scene, I was like, it just made me think of like, it's not about the sex. That this feeling of being rejected when you've put yourself out there in such a vulnerable way. Passion of the Nerd described it as naked. This is so naked and raw. Like Willow was being so vulnerable and being shot down. This to her kind of feels like she was giving him a last-ditch effort, and this was just the last straw. So it's sad. So in Joss's house, he's watching Jeopardy. So Of course he would. The most Giles-y, like, reality And at the desk. Like, why do you have a freaking, like, old-school TV sitting on your freaking desk? Like, why isn't it in the living room? Giles is shallow, just like us. He sits at his table. And he's, like, so excited. He offers her tea, um, asks her if there's, like, anything crazy happening, um, then she talks about Walsh and the dogs and says that it might be werewolves. Then we see in Xander's basement that we kind of mentioned earlier, Willow comes in, confides in Xander, and this interaction between them is something that I've really been like wanting the past couple mm-hmm. episodes. I feel like we've been starved mm-hmm. of their friendship, specifically in season four. We've gotten some really good moments between Xander and other cast members or Xander with the whole of the cast members. But like him specifically with Willow. But I think it's also because they both have been in very different wavelengths in season four. But this whole interaction seems like so sweet. Like she walks in and mentions that like her mom, the mom was acting weird. I love that this dialogue was added because it's a reminder that these two have been friends before Buffy even entered the picture, which the show is so good at putting those things in because it's for those who haven't been watching the show, they need context for how these two characters know each other. And they do it in such a brilliant way that isn't like, here, let's go over like the entire history of you two together. You know, it's just subtle things like this. Um, Also, I do have to say for as much as I hate this episode, this episode gave me some phenomenal character dynamics between pairings that we haven't seen in forever. There are so many Buffy and Oz moments that we 
have never gotten before. There are so many Willow and Buffy Oz and moments. Giles. Buffy and Giles. We even have some amazing Willow and Buffy moments. I just felt like the way they shook up the cast was was really, really cool. So what do you guys think about the advice that Xander gives to Willow here? I think – well, I think what he's trying to say is like you guys need to communicate and talk about it, which I feel like isn't really – isn't bad advice, but I think it also kind of puts Willow in like a mindset of like, okay, it doesn't really matter. I just don't think that she really took it as a, oh, I need to talk to him about it. I think she was more of like, okay, I'll let it go because even when she goes into like the cage after this scene – like she brings like food and is like just wanting to hang out with him and she seems like she's willing to put it behind her. So we didn't really get to see what she would have done talking to Oz about it, but I just kind of got like the idea of her just being like, okay, like it doesn't matter. Like I'll just move on. There's only so much you can do as a friend outside of a relationship giving advice um, mm-hmm. because ultimately you're not going to know how to handle this, handle the situation perfectly because you're not in the relationship. Totally. So you don't really know what it necessarily needs. Um, and so I think from an outsider perspective, his advice is nice. It's just giving Oz a chance and it's giving Willow, it's validating Willow's feelings. Like he's not being like, well, I haven't seen that. He's just kind of mm-hmm. saying like, talk to him, like talk to him. And I think that that's really sweet. And I also think it's a maturity we're seeing from Xander that we haven't seen a lot mm-hmm. um and i think it's because of his experience cheating on cordelia mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. he now is kind of softened and being like you know what like just give him a chance i really liked how they set the scene they have him on a couch but they were very careful in how they placed willow and and xander to make it not like cuz this could have easily turned into a Willow's coming to Xander for help and affection. And then it turns into everyone starts thinking, oh no, because we know that they were together at one point. Xander's technically single oh, at gosh, this thank point. God. It oh, could have been, they were that. very conscientious about the spacing to, like I never got a hint of that in this scene. It was very much two friends just talking and it wasn't, it was platonic. That was what it was. Um, and I really do think Xander is sweet. I like that he gives Oz the benefit of the doubt, but um, I do feel bad for Willow because, and this is not Xander's fault, I think that this makes the revelation later on a lot harder for Willow. This isn't on her at all. And I think the fact that she goes, I knew when she finds out that Oz had eyes for Veruca, but she convinced herself that it was because of her, that she was the one reading into it. And this speech with Xander kind of doesn't help with that, even though it's not Xander's fault. So Mark Field says this, Xander, in fairness, couldn't have expected that Oz was actually cheating. It wasn't that like that Willow's just feeling these things for no reason. So he gave the standard advice. Talk about it. The problem was that he suggested that Willow's failure to talk to Oz had caused Oz to react to that failure. This was true up to a point. It contributed to the awkward lunch and Willow knew it. However, it wasn't the real problem. That was internal to Oz and unrelated to Willow. Thus, Xander's advice, well-intentioned though it was, made things more painful for Willow when she caught Oz with Veruca the next day because it would have left her with the sense that it may have been partly her fault. So again, it's not Xander's fault, but this conversation actually did more harm than good because Willow internalized all of this and took everything to be her fault when really it had nothing to do with her. That's kind of what I was trying to say. I was trying to say that he was like, in the conversation didn't feel like bad advice and it essentially came across to us of being like, oh, like communicate. But then afterwards, it 
I didn't get the vibe from Willow that she was like, oh, I'm going to go express my emotions to Oz and explain how hard I am. I got the the feeling that she was like, okay, I'm just going to move on. Let me bring some food. Yeah, and- like maybe since it's my problem, I'm just going to deal with it. Maybe she was going to go talk to Oz, but I think Willow was thinking, all right, I need to like get a grip. This is my fault. Um, which is just really sad. Or I'm just reading about into it too much or whatever. Yeah, totally. So back in the, I don't even know where it is that this cage is. We've literally been introduced to it this this one episode. (laughs) Um, But Buffy comes in, sees Oz trying to fix the cage and then mentions that there were two werewolves spotted. He acts like he doesn't know. And then she asks if he is okay. Then we have a montage of Ruka singing. Oz sitting on his bed contemplating. And I don't think I ever noticed him picking up the phone to call Veruca. I've, mm-hmm. I never noticed that. I've mm-hmm. always wondered why she just like randomly shows up to the cage as if she would know where that was. Yeah. I I love that interaction between Buffy and Oz in the previous scene. But unfortunately, I think that Buffy inadvertently gave Oz the idea of having Veruca in the cage with him. Um, which is not on Buffy. It's completely on Oz because he knew he had an attraction to her and it's implied that they already had sex. But this is where I think things start to get really dicey. When Oz picks up the phone and makes the makes the choice to call Veruca, thinking, oh, in my mind, like, yeah, he may have good intentions, but we all know that like he's being pulled to her. So it just is really shady. Here's the thing. I don't care if he's thinking that, oh, if we're locked in the cage together, we won't kill people or she won't kill people. But here's the thing. Like, we'll hear Willow say at the end of this whole regretful next scene, he could have reached out to Giles. He could have reached out to Buffy. Mm-hmm. He could have been like, hey, let's find a solution for this because I know she's a werewolf because I am drawn to her because yada, yada, yada. But the fact that he was like, oh, she could just come in the cage was just his, his like weaker self trying to make an excuse for being around her. And yeah. like that makes me frustrated. And the fact that they intentionally had that conversation with him and Buffy, the writers were trying to show that Oz had every choice and every chance yep. to turn around. He could have talked. This is Buffy why it's so frustrating. Him. I'm like every decision he ever makes in this episode is so unlike Oz. Like it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know that it is though. And this is what I was trying to what? say earlier is Sarah, with no but literally completely out of character. I, I think what? that it is a bit of a character assassination. I've always thought that. It's extreme. It's 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 a bit out of character. However, it's not completely like crazy because Oz is a little bit passive. Well, no, here's the thing. In Phases and in Beauty and the Beasts, Oz did not tell anybody that he was a werewolf, even though he knew the entire gang would be supportive of him. He didn't tell them until Willow found him changing. So that's strike one. Like we see that he will not tell people if something happens. But he was brandished the information though. That's different. No, I don't think it is. In Beauty and the Beasts, he pushes Willow away when he thinks that he is gotten out and hurt someone. Like we intentionally see him pushing Willow away. So that's something we also see in this episode. I think that it's on brand for Oz to do both of those things. The only thing is that he thought he could control it. Now he's realizing now or after this episode, he can't control it and it's actually come back to bite him in the butt. So I think I don't that think Oz likes asking for help. Yeah, I don't We've think never so. Seen and him I think ask for help. 
he likes having control over things. Like he's known as the guy who has control over his emotions. This is new for him. This could be a part of Oz's character, sure. It's just the fact that like I just we didn't need to explore that side of him. But this this like this didn't need it's to exaggerated be exaggerated for sure. Like exactly that's what I'm trying to say. Well. It's yeah. it's not like it's like I guess saying out of character completely is not necessarily fully true it's just the fact that it's like we could sit here and we could talk about how like buffy could be completely callous and turned off from emotions we could do that sure because they've given us kernels of that even though we know that's not who buffy is we've seen buffy be empathetic so having a whole episode where all of a sudden buffy is like turned off to emotions and is like calloused and is like being brutal sure we could see that but in one episode like are you joking like that's very frustrating because it's not who we see buffy as we don't see oz as this sure he might have some characteristics that could lead to that but it's like when you turn that on its head within one episode it's very frustrating because yeah. that's not how we see oz neither of you have seen game of thrones but it's it kind of reminds me of the end of game of thrones i've heard about the whole because last season yeah daenerys's storyline in my opinion and i know a lot of people don't agree with this. I think it was really out of character. I don't think it was extremely out of character, but it a thousand percent was rushed. And that's mm-hmm. what makes it seem mm-hmm. out of character is mm-hmm. because it's not done super well. It's super rushed and kind of shoved mm-hmm. in there. So you don't see the groundwork and the groundwork is kind of, it's so slight that at the end it's, it's way more extreme than what they mm-hmm. put in there. And it's the same thing with Oz where it's like, yeah, sure. If you're really looking for it, you can see it. But it wasn't done well enough and it is rushed. Yeah. And like the show, like I'm not going to give away anything um, by saying this, but it's like in later seasons, they'll do stuff that like they will build the groundwork for. Um, So when it happens, it's like it's not shocking. It's still like like, whoa, like. I can't believe they went there, but they've done the groundwork for it so that when it does happen, it's not surprising. It's still a little bit daunting, but this is one of those situations that's just very frustrating. It feels like you're throwing away a character just for like a shocker, like, and that's what CW shows do. And so that's what I felt like this. That's why I said this episode feels like a CW show. It's because it's like, let's just be shocking and all these things because we can and we feel like we've done enough when it in reality, it's like... That's not the core of what this character could be. Sure, you could pull some of these things out of a character, but it's like, at what cost, you know? I think they just needed something extreme enough to make Oz leave Willow. And I think Veruca was it. They were like, Oz loves Willow so much. What would it take? <laughs> Another woman. He loves her so much. Let's, what would it take? Another woman. Well, something – no, I think what it takes is he thinks that he's a threat to her, and so they decided to go this route. Were there other ways of doing it? Sure, but this is the route they decided yeah. to take, and it seems really <sighs> strange. Okay, and then Willow comes in with her lunch. She sees Veruca and Oz lying together naked. She drops everything inside her hands. Uh, Joss Whedon says, well, it's also a rule on Buffy. If anybody ever has sex, the person that they – the reason they shouldn't be having sex will walk into the room. And I was like, hmm, really, Joss? Really? <laughs> We're four seasons in, buddy. Don't you think we know this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. A lot of people's – a lot of writers' uh, true colors, I feel like, were shown in this episode. <laughs> some of these some of these quotes are a little telling. Oh, this is just awful. Anytime Allison Hannigan cries, I cry. Mm-hmm. She says, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oz is trying to justify himself. Willow says, I knew. I knew. And then um, Oz says, 
She was going to hurt somebody. I didn't have a choice. And Willis says, but you did. You mm-hmm. could have told somebody your solution conveniently put you two alone together all night. Amen, Willow. I'm proud of her in this episode, in, the, in this part, because she's like heartbroken, but she's honest and she's not like just absolutely awful to him, even though he deserves it. Veruca is sitting there with a smile on her face, loving this entire exchange. And I just want to smack her. Willow's better than me. I would have beat her to a pole. <laughs> yeah. If I was arguing with my boyfriend who just cheated on me and she that the girl he cheated on was smiling at me, I'd throw hands. No, for throw real. I'm hands. sorry, I would. And she's yeah. all like, the girl's got a point. I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, like, I don't blame up. Oz for yelling at her. <laughs> Leave. This is the time he decides to break his stoic manner. I'm like, really? Like when Willow was possibly going to die, you just like threw something. This is the part that you're like screaming at somebody. I mean, I feel like it's the same thing. But Willow's saying, I the knew, I knew you jerk. And you sat there telling me everything was oh, fine. That, that and- line gave me goosebumps. I was like, yeah. Oof. Well, she gave so many opportunities for him to like say anything to her and she would have eaten it up. She would, we all would have given Oz any bone he would have asked for. And the fact that like there were so many situations where he wasn't honest and he sat there and said everything was fine. That line, I just, oh gosh. She and feels gaslit. Oh, and then he follows up with, I know how it feels. I remember I want to chuck my phone at the TV every time that freaking line comes out and here's the thing well, it just feels all like three- all the good work he did and like not that he needed to but like all the kind forgiveness he gave her and all the like work that they did to like move forward is done like well and worth here's nothing in one sentence here's the thing all three of us were so loud about our annoyance and frustration and anger with the whole cheating scandal in season three I, we all hated it right and we all were very mad at willow we were all very mad at sander but like leah said In a relationship, if you choose to forgive somebody, if you choose to come back, that means that you let things go. Otherwise, your relationship is never going to be healthy. You're never going to work if you keep holding it over people's heads. Like It's not like this, oh, you hurt me, I get to hurt you back. It's like if you decide, and you don't have to, but if you decide, I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to come back into the relationship, you leave everything behind and you move forward. But and that's what they did. that Oz did. That's the thing. That's what I'm he saying. Did. They did. And so like throwing that in her face, it's like it, this has been so far gone since this whole cheating scandal happened that this just came out of nowhere. Like it just felt like he was grabbing at anything at this point to make himself feel less guilty. So then Willow says, but before this, when you were just regular Oz, you had feelings for her, didn't you? And he says, I Mm -hmm. could sense something. Yes. And then she says, but you wanted her like in an animal way, like more than you wanted me. And he didn't say anything. Oh, like it physically hurts. Silence is devastating. And then this part, I mean, you hear Willow and Oz's theme, which is just beautiful. And then Willow's like not even paying attention. She walks into the street and then (laughs) Riley of all people saves her. And I'm like, okay, they've got to be building up. They're really trying hard here. A romance between Willow and Riley or Buffy and Riley because at this point, like this guy just keeps they keep trying to paint him in the best light possible here. Either that or he's going to be a villain because he's in here way too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm so just bit too biased towards my irritation with Riley that hit the phrasing of what he says really annoyed me. Whatever's happening, 
It's not worth hurting yourself over. Okay, okay. but I do have to say, I was like, Riley, does she look <laughs> okay, like she was Riley. trying to commit suicide? That's what I'm like, saying. I just, Thank you for validating me, Sarah. I'll no, I know. I was like, why too. am I annoyed? Like, obviously, she's not trying. Like, she was distraught. But also, like, why do you have to invalidate her feelings? Like, what if she really is? <laughs> I don't going think you would. Like, whatever that. inconvenience no, you are I'm feeling just saying, is not like, worth the wording of it. <laughs> it's just like a little like demeaning to be like. It's not worth it. It's like, bro, maybe just listen first. Like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, y'all. I really, I know I'm biased. Riley is literally I'm saving lives to... out here. And we're like, I, know, I just don't like his tone in this I moment. I know. I'm biased. I know. I'm sorry. Y'all. He might as well have said, did you look both ways? Like, he might as well have said that. It's not that bad. Jeez, guys. It just, again, I think it came to framing too. This whole shot was really weird how they just like zoom in on his face. It's like I think almost it romantic. You're kind of like, what the Leah's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm know. being manipulated in this moment. This is not romantic. Stop getting it on my screen. And yeah, I don't think it's the actress. I think it, I think it's just how it was cut. I think they just cut it weird. Yeah. Almost like they inserted these last few shots with Riley. They were shot on separate days and they didn't want to have to include him with the other actors. So they just shot it separately. I don't this know. This episode's but, all over the place too. I forgot Spike was in it for a second. Like it's I know, weird. right? Yeah. And Riley, like we're like, what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I feel very manipulated in this episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wrote, is... Is Riley inferring that Willow did that intentionally? Also, this guy just keeps showing up everywhere, but we know nothing about him. He seems nice, but I can feel the writers doing the most with trying to show us how good of a guy he is. But then we don't see much of anything else. Are they setting him up with Willow since Oz is going to be out of the picture? Like, that's what it feels like. It is. Yeah. I can't imagine watching this show for the for the first time and watching it at the slow pace that we are and not knowing what the frick is going on with Riley? Because, like, <laughs> obviously... We're six episodes deep, too. Like, we're six episodes deep. This whole just keeps coming around. Like, clearly, some something is going on with him. And at this point, you're like, is he going to be a love interest for someone? I don't know who the frick he's going to be a love interest for. I don't know what the frick is going on with him. But he just keeps being here. And they're really pushing the good guy image. And I don't know... Yes. What is going yeah. on? I'd be pissed because when I, the first time I watched this, I binged it. So I was like, I didn't have to think about that because I was like, I'm going to figure it out in an hour. They're going somewhere with him, but we all just don't know where. <laughs> we don't even know who he is. <laughs> we know he drinks water in the bar. That's all we know. <laughs> He's a good guy. He doesn't drink alcohol. Beer bad. Well, and then the dorm room, Buffy is being a good friend, repeating exactly what Riley says. Okay, girly, we heard it once. We don't need it again. Jeez, um, now we're crapping on Buffy. <laughs> at least she says it with a lot more empathy. And then she says she's going to go find Veruca and before the sun goes down. See, this is why we tell Buffy. Like, Buffy mm-hmm. could literally chokehold her, pass her out, mm-hmm. and then drag her somewhere. Like, if she's not going to go with her. Like, she could do it. We need Buffy. We need Giles. We need people who can actually do it. Like, tell the commando people. Like, go grab, like, the random-ass people walking around campus with their (laughs) gear and their guns and no one said a freaking word. Have them go grab the werewolves. It is really nice to see Buffy on this side of the friendship because we've seen Willow there for her so many times. I just – I really like it. I like seeing Buffy It feels more balanced. Willow looks very sus during this entire – conversation though i was like her mm, eyes Bobby, mm-hmm. she's not she's not ready she's not done. which is a Don't credit to like allison hannigan's acting because like when i was watching this i was like oh i forget yeah she goes into the lab like her uh-huh. like you could see in her eyes they d- yep. i didn't even watch the next scene to be jogged in my memory because her acting was so like well done i was like oh mm-hmm. shoot yeah like she's gonna go do something you know which okay 
I'm kind of like, yes, magic willow. I know. I know. It, I'm like the unhealthy person in the background being like, do it. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'm like, this this hoe needs to die. I'm like, hurt him, hurt him. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So I'm also. I feel like we've seen put together Willow this entire season, and I just I want to see Magic Willow. We haven't seen her do mm-hmm. any magic stuff, and so even and though if I, there's I'm, ever a time, yeah, <laughs> it's when your boyfriend cheats on you. <laughs> So Buffy storms into Oz's dorm room, which, okay, Buffy put on leather for this hunt. I think this is one of the first times this season that we've seen her wearing yeah. something like this because it's always been the floral dresses. And I'm like, <gasps> okay. Also, this is the I'm first like, time we've seen Buffy staking someone at the very beginning of this episode. We haven't seen her really stake anybody except for, I think, mm-hmm. the freshman and then in her she's dream going through bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm kind of like – ready for these old familiar things to come back. So Buffy says, I need you to sniff down Veruca, basically. Um, She's very kind with him, even though you can tell she's completely pissed off. And Oz tries to explain himself. And Buffy's Mm -hmm. like, Oz, this might be a good time for your trademark stoicism. And he's like, all right. Uh, Back in the lab, Willow is doing a spell for Oz and Veruca. And then we flip back into the woods where Oz and Buffy are running around trying to find Veruca. He says he can smell her. Okay, weird. Also, not to judge Willow because I know she's going through a lot right now, but Amy is currently still a rat. (laughs) Amy's like like pissed. She's like, are you for real? (laughs) She's like, yeah. Can you believe? I know you got it in you to let me out now. Um, so they kind of are running around the woods and then they realize it's a trap because their clothes were there. Buffy looks at Oz like, don't say it. I don't mm-hmm. want to know. <laughs> and then she runs into some commando dude. Okay. Useless, Again? pointless. What? Like, okay. So random. I get it. All right. I think it is good that Buffy's aware of them now though. She's seen them a couple times, but it was like around Halloween. So I'm like, finally, we've been seeing them. Like, let's get this ball rolling here. But even so this – like this right now is still like okay, but we still got nothing. It was just a split second. Like, what was the point of? All well, right. it's because the conversation that Buffy has with Giles at the end, where she says, "Hey, I saw this, and hopefully, we'll be going somewhere with that." Back in the lab, she stares at a picture of Oz and decides that she can't do it. The glass shatters on the countertop, and Veronica, Veronica, Veruca, <laughs> Veruca. I don't even care at this point. Victoria, so Veronica, Veruca, Vicky. Vicky. <laughs> Binthia. Uh, she closes the door and locks it and says, sometimes you have to kill to keep what's yours. Girl, you're preaching to the choir because Willow definitely will kill you. So it's like, maybe be careful what you're going to say. And the fact that I know we're crapping on Oz a lot and I, I love him a lot, but he's not making good choices in this episode. The fact that Oz knows that Veruca would go for Willow like immediately makes me even angrier at him because I'm like, dude, you know what kind of girl – that you're hooking up with, attracted with, all this stuff. And I know the wolf, blah, blah, blah. I'm tired of that being like the catch-all. But like the fact that he immediately is like she will harm Willow, I'm like, dude, make better choices. I think it's because – I don't know if it's necessarily Bruca, but I think he's thinking worst case scenario since she's super tied with her like B side. I think I he's thinking so. that. I guess so. 
So I wanted to talk real fast. So Willow choosing not to complete the spell. Mark Field says this in his book. He says, Willow also nearly does the spell because it's part of Willow's character at this point in the series to go closer to that edge. And she is devastated by the idea that in her manifest goodness and wholesomeness, she is cut off from whatever animal instincts that attract Oz and Veruca to one another. It's another motivation to keep exploring the dark arts as protection from this sort of thing happening, which I thought was a really interesting uh, correlation of like Willow kind of being motivated to go to the dark arts, almost as if uh, that's going to be the thing that will get Oz back, but it'll also draw her and Oz together. I don't know. Just thought that was really interesting. I totally see that. See, that makes a lot of sense to me because we've mm-hmm. had seasons of build up towards that, but especially yes. how but, like Willow is right now. Like, I think it would have been a little too dark if she actually went through with it. But the fact that I was like not shocked that she was sitting there using yeah. like spells and like saying all the yep. Hecate, I was like, you know what? Okay, I get it. Yep. Like, there's been enough here for that. Yep. Veruca does the most in this episode. Like, if we thought <laughs> too her much. whole like neck thing was really bad in the past scenes, this one is just so. It was. I was like, girl, just die already. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, bro, you have been here too long. Go see a chiropractor. I think you have some neck issues. <laughs> For real. Um, she hits Willow. Willow falls to the floor. Oz comes in and is like, don't hit her again. <laughs> okay. This scene is um, weird. Yeah. This, this is what I'm weird. saying, Sarah. Y'all looked at me like I was crazy when I said this weird. This I didn't. I said it's weird too. I did. I agree with you. I'm just trying. I'm trying to be balanced. I'm trying to no. Go with, I with like. I was watching this and I was like, this doesn't even feel like like, like there's some pretty bad episodes, but they have that kind of like that buffy like kookiness to it. Like even beer bad. I was like, this is not a good episode, but like, but like the prosthetic hair attached. It's just oh no. They just kept transitioning, and every time I was like. Ew. Like, <laughs> like, please just like, get off my freaking screen. Like the weird in-between werewolf human thing. I was like, thank God he leaves because like I I couldn't see this anymore. Like him transitioning. There well, okay, so there's a reason for the transition because they want to show that Oz is still in control and he makes the decision and choice to go kill Veruca before he lets his wolf have control. That's important. But also this this whole dialogue was not in the script. Before Oz comes into the room in the episode, she says, I know what you love. I have a scent on me right now. Then this is cut. In the script, Veruca says, go ahead and cry, but you should have seen this coming. You can't tame a wild thing. He's not yours anymore. He's in you, but he'd be thinking about me. No, not thinking. It's deeper than that. Anyway, I regret reading that. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was unnecessary. Thank you for that, too. You really just had to make us all be punished. Sorry, I forgot about that last part, and I was like, wait a minute. I don't don't want to visualize this. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Oh my gosh, the whole "come stop me." I like it rough. Ew, okay, we don't need to go through. I mean, we don't need to talk we about really, some of the dialogue. We, don't need to do that. we all had to see the episode, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes: barf, barf, barf. Also, it's so uncomfortable to see Oz acting like this. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's weird too. We've never seen him be this sexual, and like I've seen it way too many times. In this episode. <laughs> I'm like, I never asked for this. I never asked for a horny Oz, and I never want to see it again. Apparently, um, Joss's script notes to Oz or to Seth Green was when you when you feel your animal instincts coming on. He says, (laughs) "Pretend like you're just coming on to acid." Can Can you stop giving us the? (laughs) 
do other people relate with this animalistic thing? Because I actually, like, I don't, but I'm not trying to be like a quirky. Like I, there's no part of me that's like animal. Leah's like, a I don't. I guess, bro. I don't know what the freak that is. Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and apparently everyone on the Buffy cast just knew, just understood, apparently. Yeah, well, you have to be on acid to know, apparently. <laughs> yeah, thank you for all those traumatizing images, Sarah. Sorry. No one, no one asked for all these and you just kept going. Excuse like, me. <laughs> you you were liking my quotes at the beginning. You were like, thank you, Sarah. That's I take back everything Two I said. Two different things. This, this one hour later. Like, oh, oh, my God. This episode, episode is doing too much now. to me. Like, my brain is, <laughs> like, it's, no. It's shutting down. I'm having a hard time finishing this freaking episode. So, Veruca and Oz fight, and Oz kills Veruca pretty viciously. I think this is probably the most gruesome Good. death we've Didn't seen. Bad and I. <laughs> he has, like, blood, like, coming down his, like, cheeks and his mouth, and I'm like, okay, and? I want more. <laughs> we don't – yeah, the show doesn't really show like too much blood and I feel like this was pretty gruesome. Oh, man. And then he goes towards Willow and Willow's little eyes is just absolutely heart-wrenching. She kills me in this scene. Like, well – and then like Buffy comes in and then tranquilizes him and then just runs over and holds Willow as she sobs. Yeah. I was like, oh. Back at Giles' house, he mentions that he doesn't quite understand. We don't either, Giles. It's okay. <laughs> he's being like, like he's being brought into like the loop at the very end. He's like, I don't understand. He's like, I was just watching my uh, TV. I don't know what the frick is going on. Jeopardy over here. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy mentions like the military commando people. And I just want to point out the necklace that Buffy is wearing in this episode is the one that I have now. Peggy Lee, the just jewelry designer. Oh, I know. Peggy Lee, the jewelry designer, which if you have not listened to that interview, definitely go listen to it. It's really interesting. But she gifted me with this necklace, and it's um, the blue one to the pink one that Buffy was wearing in The Freshman. But I was like, this is the best part I of the episode I wish we had more right screen here. time with the necklace because it's only in this one scene in Josh's yeah. house. And that's something about this episode. They had to cram so much into it. It feels like some scenes, there wasn't enough time to breathe. It -hmm. feels like we just jumped from one bit of dialogue to the next. And I think that we could have expounded a little bit more on some stuff. Well, especially this scene, I was like, man, like I wish that we had a little bit longer of this interaction with her and Giles talking about all this. Or even like having a whole conversation with Buffy and Willow at the very end of the episode. It was like, okay, so he just drives away and that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, she says that she doesn't know how they're going to deal with all of this. And then back at Oz's dorm, we see Oz kind of packing up his closet. Willow comes in and asks what he's doing. She asks him, like, that's your solution. And he just responds and says, that's my decision. And she asks, do I have a say in this? And he just says no. Like, he's just so cold when she first comes in. And it's hard because this... Oz is the one I feel like is more accurate, is the one who, like, recognizes he's done something wrong and wants to, like, flee and fix it. So it's like, I'm not disappointed in this. It's just, I would be lying if I said that this episode doesn't feel like a disservice to his character. I agree. And I think pretty much everyone can agree with you on that, for sure. Um, 
When talking about the show, Seth Green mentioned how much he loved how hard it was to choose a side with the characters, even Oz. He says, my favorite thing about working on the show is just how well you guys handled every character talking to the writers. Because no one was just a bad guy, even the people who were doing the horrible things, like Spike. Everybody had a reason. Everybody had their own emotional agenda that was, no, it was undeniably valid. You could really understand everybody's point of view, and it made the audience unable to choose sides. And that was my favorite thing about this episode, was that even though Oz is the bad guy doing the bad things and being the ill character. It's like you understand where he's coming from and you can see why he thinks leaving is the right thing and how he feels. Like he's protecting Willow in a way. And you can see the selfishness, but you can understand from everybody's point of view why things happen the way they do. And I think I agree with that. Regardless of how we got here, you understand why he's leaving. And as frustrating it is to watch episodes like this, I feel like what makes Buffy so prevalent today and what makes it so good is that every single episode we were just talking about this before we were like recording it's like the whole fandom is split on like every single decision that this show ever makes ever it's because not only is there the front of your face story that each episode is giving us but there's also like the bajillion metaphors underneath and people represent and and put themselves in many different ways and facets in the show so it's like you can empathize with the character that i would never empathize empathize with based on my life experiences and so people kind of view the show very differently sometimes i'll talk to people i'm like are we watching even the same show like that's like Mm -hmm. really weird that you get that out of it but it's also valid to them uh so watching episodes like this is really frustrating because it's like you see oz's perspective whether or not you, you agree with it you see it because it's i mean this is not a great episode for that only because it's like i don't i'm very frustrated with his point of view um and wish it was a little bit expanded on more but that's what makes this show interesting as like even when these things happen you're frustrated and you're angry it's like they give us opportunities to be in their head which also makes episodes like this hurt a lot more because you're mm-hmm. like shoot i've been through so much with this character and i really like them and i empathize with them so when they do things like this it really drags you down with them so that's why watching episodes like these are like one of my least favorite things in the entire world and I've only seen it twice. So having to like break it down is really heartbreaking. Um, but that just only goes to show how much we care about the characters and how mm-hmm. much we care about the show. So we're not And I choose on the to show. focus on the good of Oz instead of mm-hmm. the bad. Because I think as a does, whole, yeah. Oz is a really, really good character. Yeah, he's still a king in my in my heart. I I have to say that I love that Allison Hannigan is not a conventionally pretty crier. Like, don't get me wrong. She's beautiful no matter what. But I I love ugly criers. I think what makes her tears so impactful is the fact that it's real. Mm -hmm. Her makeup smudged. She has tears running down her nose and her chin. Like, that's how we all cry. And Mm -hmm. she doesn't make – it's it's not like she's sitting there with like one perfectly formed tear coming down her her cheek and stuff like that, which I mean, I guess you can be you can be a convincing crier that way, but I don't know. Just the way that she's sobbing really makes you feel. The line that kills me every freaking time. I just mm. can't. She's like, "Oz, don't you love me?" And I feel like for somebody this is their very first love, right? This is somebody mm. they've really opened up to in so many ways. It's like this is also the first person that she ever slept with. Like this is like everything to her. And so in her brain, she's thinking as long as we love each other, like we can get through anything. Whereas Mm -hmm. life's not like that. If that were the case for every single person, everyone would never have a breakup ever. We would be with our first love and like you would just make it work. But sometimes life just 
deters from relationships and it becomes impossible to be with that person. Like sometimes it's just, it doesn't work out. And so I think sometimes love has nothing to do with that. And so even when he sits there and says, all my life, I've I've never loved anything else. It's like, this has nothing to do with how much he loves Willow. This has everything to do with everything else that surrounds the situation. I mean, I honestly disagree. I think this has everything to do with how much he loves Willow. Well, yes, but it's like he could sit there and like stay with her, but he would harm her. Like life kind of gets in the way. Oh, man. No one does forehead kisses like Oz. He kisses her on the forehead so many times this episode, and it's so tender. I'm a sucker for forehead kisses. I think they're so Mm -hmm. pure. I think it's a very unselfish form of love. It's all give and no take. What about a cheek kisser? Is that – I mean, sure, they're okay, but I'm a sucker for forehead kisses. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, way to take away my moment. But like (laughs) – I think it's so special that this takes place in the exact same spot where he rejected her. So I think it was supposed to be like him reassuring her that it wasn't because of you that this all happened. This is me, not you. Um, and I think it's kind of like some little bit of closure for Willow here. So um, Music, Sound, and Silence has this quote about the music of this last scene. And it's really, really, really interesting. It says, as we watch Oz saying goodbye and wild at heart, we empathize with Oz and Willow in part by implicitly projecting ourselves into their situation. And this projection probably involves some measures of non-musical mimetic participation. The final scene begins with a high, soft, sustained string unison, signifying apprehension to help convey Willow's state of mind as she finds Oz packing his things. Part of how this works is that listeners feel what it would be like to produce this soft, sustained chord, a feeling of suspense resulting from a feeling of sustaining or exertion that would produce such a sound. Basically, it's akin to holding one's breath. When Oz expresses his doubt about the separation between the wolf and the human within him, we hear a piano accent, which then turns into the first statement of the fragmentary theme. But the strings still continue to hold the tension until Willow asks, Oz, don't you love me? Then the strings are finally set free from their sustained note, and when Oz tells her he has never loved anything else, we are finally given some relief from the tension in the form of the warm sound of the English horn, a modulation and an orchestral swell to support their embrace. The change of timbre here marks the evolution of the mood, the reassurance of love by Oz, despite his need to leave, and the English horn as a wind instrument affords a stronger invitation to participate sub-vocally. Its sound is richer and more plaintive than that of other woodwinds, and we experience this warmth as listeners and participants. Similarly, the orchestral swell is not only a sound that comes at us, but also an action that we take part in, in conjunction with the rush of emotion sympathetically generated as they finally embrace. This soon subsides, however, and the music modulates back to its earlier state, supporting the return of our attention to the fact that Oz is actually leaving. The moment when Oz exits the house could also have been a really good place for a song to begin, although this would undoubtedly have changed our experience of the scene. The instrumental scoring here allows an effective flexibility that operates quite differently from the processes of commentary and affiliating identification discussed. Um, So apparently they wanted a little bit more flexibility in the orchestral uh, feeling of this last scene, like right when Oz leaves the house, um, because apparently Joss Whedon initially wanted a song for this moment, kind of like full of grace, Sarah McLaughlin in um, Becoming Part 2 when Buffy kills Angel and then it fades into that song. Joss wanted something like that here. Um, Christoph Beck reports that they looked for weeks for a song. Ultimately, nothing quite gave Joss the satisfaction he needed and the emotional range he needed there. So at the last minute, I sort of came in and I guess did some kind of rescue job. But apparently everyone was happy with it. 
And he talks about how like the English horn theme allowed us to keep our attention not only on the action, but also on what had just been said, providing an avenue to express our effective response and focus our attention on the dramatic action. So I personally love that they decided to keep going with the music and have it swell. And I think it adds to the fact that we see Oz start to break down in the car. This is the guy that we've never seen cry. This is the guy that always has it together. Um, and I think it just adds to the beauty of that scene. So sorry if that's really long and I was like boringly out of tears, but I think that the music here is part of what makes this moment so impactful. And I think it's worth talking about. Well said. Okay. I wanted him to, I wanted full on sobs. <laughs> no, he gave no, us, but I mean, this is a lot too much. Character. No, I, I want, I wanted, he put us through a lot. He put Will through a lot. He put us, us the watchers through a lot. I'm like, I need some tears. I know, I'm going to see at least one glistening chair on the cheek. I don't know. I just, I'm sad. I feel like there is a much better way that they could have done this with Oz, as we said before. But I choose to think about all the great moments we had with him and not let this be my last memory of him. Cue a TikTok that Sarah makes the I will remember you um, <sighs> over a montage of all those happy moments of yeah. Willow and I'll Oz. make a video. We'll make something happy. Need something. But, all right, guys. We made it. We did it. Woo. <laughs> and we will never again. I don't think I'll ever watch this episode ever again. I don't even want to watch it this time. <laughs> there are some Buffy episodes that that is definitely the feeling for sure. Well, listeners, well done. You made it through with us. Let's all go, you know, collectively cry into our pillows now. But – uh, let us know what you guys think of this episode. Is it one of your favorites? No, just kidding. Is it? I was about to say, I was like, who is saying <laughs> Tommy's like, mm, maybe too far. Let us know. Do you guys think that this is an, a character assassination for Oz? Do you think it's consistent with his character? As always, you guys can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr at Becoming Buffy Podcast. You can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you guys next time.